All right, let's continue our discussion on Karl Marx. Quick questions of review. What do I mean when I say that Karl Marx was a utopian? Uh, Jude. Uh, he believed that utopia, like the whole world could be like back to the garden. Made perfect, through, yes. Through mankind. Paradise restored through the power of man, through revolution, through redistribution of wealth, through government for a temporary period of time. Of course, that implies that he believed that man was inherently good. good. That's right. He was atheistic. He was humanistic in that he worshipped man and believed that man could uh, restore paradise on earth. Um, he was evolutionary. Can anyone remember the phrase we used for his particular brand of evolution? Not biological evolution, but... Cultural. Cultural evolution, societal evolution. That's right, good. Societal evolution. He believed that society, with a few tweaks, um, eradicating some of the systemic injustices, uh, would enable man to bring about peace and justice on earth. Of course, he railed against the capitalistic system, and there were plenty of problems with the capitalistic system, for sure. And there were plenty of, plenty of problems in his day for him to work with. Uh, he was good at pointing out problems. It's his solutions that were poisonous. It's like if you uh, have cancer, you might need to treat that cancer with chemo, which is just another poison. Well, Karl Marx's chemo killed every patient. It was more like a quadruple-boosted vaccine. <laughs> Worse than the problem itself. So by the end of his life, many revolutions had broken out all over Europe. The revolutions had been put down. But eventually, in the early 1900s, a revolution broke out in the Soviet Union called the Bolshevik Revolution <laughs> under a man by the name of? Stalin. Not Stalin, not yet. Vladimir Lenin. Lenin. That's right, Vladimir Lenin. Don't ever name your kid either of those two names. He's an evil man. His predecessor was Joseph Stalin, which was not his original name. That name means man of steel, which is, yes, what Superman means. Um, oh, no. Man of steel. Joseph Stalin named himself the man of steel. 20, 30 million, million people dead later. Some say up to 100 million people dead under, under their reign. You had the establishment of the Soviet Union, which fell in 1989 when the Berlin Wall was torn down and eventually the Soviet Union collapsed. But does that mean communism is gone? No. No, it's still all over the world. It's in America. It's in Congress. It's in uh, UL. It's in the hearts and minds of American, Americans and even in the church. But today you have things like what we might call cultural Marxism or neo-Marxism. What's neo mean? New, like a new, there's new versions and, and new um, twists on the same theme of the problem with the world is societal injustices, the haves versus the have-nots. Now what they will say is things like the problem is systemic racism, uh, white supremacy versus the people of color. So they've, re they've twisted it from economic injustices to racial systemic injustices that's called that's called cultural marxism and but it's the same sort of battle and the way they deconstruct and fight society is to stir up racism and continue to cause strife so that they can reinstitute their new uh, new order their reconstructed order bringing paradise 
on earth. So you see this everywhere. And if you can get the concept of Marxism in your mind, um, you'll, you'll be very much aided. Now, this, this doesn't mean there's not problems in society. It doesn't mean there's not racism in society. Of course there is, right? It's the solution, though, that is a false gospel. And if you turn to a false gospel, that's worse than the sins themselves. Make sense? So that's just a little review of everything we talked about last time. You have your pamphlets, the Communist Manifesto. Be careful as you drink that. Well, as you read it, it is toxic. But I think you have the antidote because you have uh, pretty fairly formed worldviews. We wouldn't teach the Communist Manifesto to four-year-olds. Um, they wouldn't be able to read it anyway, but um, this is definitely toxic material. You'll be reading Mein Kampf later, more toxic material. But I believe, of course, with my guidance and, and your parents' guidance, that you have enough of the antidote to not uh, become little communists in here, right? I'm pretty sure that you'll be fine with that. All right, so let's talk about Karl Marx himself today. All right, Karl Marx. Remember, uh, you got to finish the pamphlet, by the way, Jackson. I know you missed the last time. Got to finish it by Monday. So um, let's talk about Karl Marx himself. And now's where you want to start taking notes. This is new information. He was an atheist. Of course, you know what that is. He means he did not believe in a theos, a theos, no God. No Jupiter, no Mars, no Allah, no Yahweh, no Jesus, no angels, no devils, no spiritual world, no angelic horses that protected Elijah. You know, nothing spiritual whatsoever. He was a pure atheist, also what you would call a materialist. Now, sometimes we use the word materialist for someone who is uh, materialistic, as in they like the world, uh, worldly, like objects more than. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, they're greedy. They like fancy purses more than Jesus. Like they're materialistic. You know, it's all about their outfits and their and their houses and their cars, and and that's a good word. They're materialistic, like Madonna. She was a material girl. That's right. I'm surprised that y'all know that word, that song. It's a terrible song, by the way. But the philosophical title, materialist, is someone who believes that only in the existence of matter. You know what matter is. You know, things you can touch, taste, smell. If it's not matter, they don't believe in it. It is interesting, though. They do believe in man's reason. They trust wholly in man's reason. And I got to say, man's reason is not made out of matter, is it? So that's an interesting thing. You, you can't really uh, touch a syllogism in someone's mind, can you? I don't know. Interesting. So he was also a humanist. That's the next thing you need to know. An atheist, a materialist, a humanist. This, of course, is in his adult life. Now, a humanist in the Middle Ages, I don't think y'all are taught this or told this or explained this in your, when you went through the Reformation. But do y'all remember John Calvin and Martin Luther and those guys being called humanists? Mm, no, or C.S. Lewis is even called a humanist. Yeah. It, they, they use that phrase sometimes, and it's not helpful in my opinion, but a humanist in one sense of the word means that you studied ancient Greek, ancient like Rome. Yeah, the humanities, okay? So C.S. Lewis was 
an expert in the humanities. This class is called humanities. It doesn't mean we're teaching humanism. Okay, It means that you're studying Western civilization, you're studying the ancients, you're studying the Middle Ages, you're studying the flow and the trajectory of history. So John Calvin was a humanist in the sense that he read Latin, he could speak Latin, he wrote in Latin, he knew all the classics, he knew the myths and the, the fables, he read Cicero, um, and when he was, uh, before he was a Christian, he was really very much enthralled with those experts. Um, like Cicero and Pythagoras and whatnot. But later, when he became a Reformed Christian and he, and he read the writings of Augustine and was influenced by uh, other Reformers, like, uh, if I remember right, uh, Bollinger and others, he eventually threw off the classical worldview and uh, believed in sola scriptura, scripture alone. Okay, so that's one type of humanist. And um, everyone paying attention real good? But Marx was a humanist in what sense? In the Rousseauian sense, like Jean-Jacques Rousseau. No God, man is God. Individual man or collective man. That's the kind of humanist that Marx was. And his thought, his uh, Marxism that he taught in the pamphlet, is humanist. It's humanistic, it's atheistic, it's materialistic. Right, so how does a humanist determine truth? Does he go to the Bible, the revealed word of God? No. Goes to his own mind or to the mind of others. That's right. Tradition, reason, um, self-observation, what he can see, what he can touch, what he can reproduce in a laboratory. You know, science is ultimate truth for the humanist. Sound familiar? You know, what the experts say is ultimate truth for the humanist. Or these days... What is ultimate truth? But a lie repeated over and over and over and over again until most everyone believes it. That's ultimate truth today. That's called narrative. So that's humanism, though. Humanism doesn't hold to the revealed truth of God as ultimate. And so they turn to other sources of truth. And that always devolves into what Pilate asked Jesus. Remember? What is truth? It always, what is the meaning of the word is? It depends on what is, is. When you go away from the revealed scripture as ultimate truth, you will always eventually have no truth. When, you, when God shows you light and you close your eyes to it, eventually you, he puts you in the total dark. And that, of course, is definitely what happened to Marx and everyone who drinks of Marxism. And so that's how they determine truth. How do they, here's another question, how do they decide how to build a just society? Same way. We know what would be a just society. We know what's best for the world. We need to control every little aspect so that we can bring about justice on earth. Now, does the Bible promise justice on earth? Mm-hmm. It will come about through what? Uh, Christianity. Through the advancement of the kingdom of God. For Jesus Christ has all authority on earth, and of the end of his kingdom and of its justice and of its peace, there will be no end. There will be justice on earth through Jesus and his kingdom advance. So we want to have just society, but how do we determine how to build a just society? Well, we look at the Bible. Is there a model of a just political order in the Bible? One that we could look at and get a lot of good examples from? Huh? Israel. Israel, that's right. But does a humanist look at those examples? Does a humanist look at God's laws? 
Does a humanist look at God's moral law or civil law? No, he doesn't look at any of those things. He looks at man's reason, philosophy, experience. And man is corrupt, so his theories are going to be corrupt. So, are you all listening? All right, just as an example, I'm going to get your attention here. And there is a, a um, last week and earlier this week, there were uh, all of these global elites, men like John Kerry and Klaus Schwab, you know, big timers, rich people, the governor of Georgia, Kemp. Ugh, shame. <laughs> they, they flew to the top of a, an alpine uh, ridge and, and, and settled for a week in a little town called Davos. Now, they went there by private jets, and they went there because press and, and the lowlifes like you and I, we can't make it to towns like Davos. And there they spent millions on prostitutes and, and uh, food and drink and luxuries. And they came together to discuss how to save the world. Yeah, that's by their own omission. One particular man, John Kerry, a former senator, he said, isn't it amazing that a few select people like us, touched by something, you know, can come together and talk about saving the world. Then he said, it's almost extraterrestrial or something, which I thought was pretty funny. Because, yeah, extraterrestrial, as in demons. So, <clears throat> but imagine a group of people so proud that they feel they can come together, putting their heads together, and their plans, and their, and their algorithms, and their advanced technology, and think they're going to save the world. They're, they're going to bring about global peace. Well, that's what Marx tried to do. Stalin as well, Hitler as well, and all those people at Davos. And when man tries to build a just society without the Bible, it's not heaven. What is it? It's always hell. Um, some of their theories, by the way, is they're going to be using uh, advanced technology to develop a new hamburger meat. It's not going to be made out of cow, though. It's going to be made out of injected hormones that basically turns a few beef cells into a patty in a laboratory. Any volunteers? <laughs> yeah, we, we love it when they make things in laboratories and make us take them. Yeah, that's been great for everyone. Um, another thing that they said they're going to do is uh, develop um, alternatives to red meat. Um, and uh, one of the alternatives they really want people to, to get used to eating are bugs. And um, you will eat the bugs. That's what Klaus Schwab said. Now, it sounds like I'm making this stuff up, doesn't it? It sounds like I'm, I'm reading some conspiracy uh, blog, but I am not. I am not. This is all absolute fact. You can watch this stuff going on live. You can hear their recordings. You can read their, their writings. Um, one particular lady proposed that America adopt hate codes, hate speech codes, which would basically put people like me in prison because I, I preach sodomy as a sin and uh, pedophilia and bestiality and all the other perverted drag queen story hour stuff that's going on out there. It would put me in prison because they would say that's hate speech, which is just another phrase for blasphemy codes which, of course, every society has blasphemy codes. It just depends on who the God is. So, but I digress. Um, Karl Marx and the, the elites of Davos, they're humanists. They're atheists. And they are going to save the planet 
That's what's going on in this particular book. All right? <clears throat> now, there's different types of humanists. Some humanists try to just tame God. Okay, like um, Hitler, to some degree, <laughs> attempted at taming God. Hitler said that his movement was a Christian movement. Isn't that interesting? And you know who supported Hitler? The church. Yeah, the Lutheran church, the German church. Um, by an overwhelming majority. They were either silent or complicit. That's right. He, he claimed Jesus on his side. That's right. So that might be closer to like trying to tame God. Or a humanist like uh, Oprah Winfrey. You know, or uh, almost every single politician in our country. They claim the name of Jesus. Like Joe Biden, for example. He claims to be a devout Roman Catholic. He says that he also visited the black church quite a bit when he was younger, which is probably most certainly a lie. Um, but, but these people, they claim to want God, to want Jesus, to be open about it. Maybe, but they definitely want God in his place. Um, Lincoln was a precursor to this, for sure. But then there's another type of humanist that wants to abolish God. And that's the kind of humanist that you find in communist societies. Okay? So if you are an open Christian in China, you very well could lose all of your property, your possessions. You could be executed. The, the church, the faithful, true church in China is underground. Now, there's an apostate church and a government church, um, but it's not faithful. In, uh, in, commun- in the Soviet Union... Y'all remember when we watched that video on um, yeah. uh, that martyr, the Romanian martyr? <clears throat> his name is Kildebrand. Uh, his name is his name is uh, skipping my mind right now. But remember how they would beat him just for claiming to be a Christian, just for praying, things like that. So that's the kind of humanist that Karl Marx was. He didn't want to just borrow a little bit of Jesus. He wanted to crush any form of religion whatsoever. All right. Now, <clears throat> before Karl Marx, and this is something that is perhaps going to be complicated for you, before Karl Marx was a humanist, do you know what denomination he was? He lived in Germany, so that might help you. Lutheran, that's right, Lutheran. Now, there's a particular problem with Lutheranism, and I don't think they'd probably appreciate me saying this or I'm not even sure if they would agree or not. So, But Lutheranism teaches what we would call a two-kingdom theology. Two-kingdom theology. Um, meaning that there, a kingdom of God advances, but it doesn't necessarily advance over every area of life. Okay? Now, there's an old-school two-kingdom that's not too terrible, there's a new school, two-kingdom theology that basically says, you know, the pastor and the preachers, they should stay out of politics. You know, they should, uh, if someone needs counseling, they should hand them over to the experts. You know, psychiatrists and scientists can help us. Hey, if we have a, a medical issue, trust the, trust the experts. You know, and we want to trust our experts. We want to trust our authorities. But we also want to apply the Bible to all of life. And when they are out of step, then we say they're out of step and we disobey. Make sense? But there is a form of Lutheranism, a two-kingdom Lutheranism, and it's called pietism. That's the word for it. 
And, uh, and it basically teaches that the church should stay in its place, that we have a spiritual realm. And when it comes to business or politics or you know, maybe even parenting or psychology, sociology, history, education, well, then, you know, that's the domain of the world. You see what I mean? Now, the problem with that is that what I'm saying is that it leads to things like Marxism. See, if the church doesn't offer up a biblical solution for a just society, if the church doesn't offer up solutions for economic duress, massive inflation, uh, rampant poverty and illiteracy, if the church doesn't offer a solution for those things, who will? The state will. The state will. That's right. The world will. That's, what, um, that's why wokeism, for example, recently inf- infiltrated the churches so much. Why you had pastors teaching about uh, systemic racism and uh, intersectionality. It's because they had a Lutheran pietistic worldview that the church shouldn't be preaching about politics. Except, of course, a few, a few uh, exceptions like abortion. Right? But politics is just another word for public. Y'all know that? The word politics and the word public, it's the same word. It just means those things out in the general society. Does God's law apply to general society? Mm-hmm. Does God's wisdom apply to general society? Yeah. Does God's Bible have show us how to live in general society? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's not just for Sunday mornings. It's not just for your prayer time. It's for all of life. But if you don't believe that it's all of Christ and all of life, eventually... Part of your life is going to be dominated by worldly thinking. You're going to adopt it. You're going to acquiesce to it. And then eventually you're going to support it. And that's what happened in the Lutheran church. And that's what happened in Karl Marx. As he grew old, he went to, to philosophy school. He went to college. And when he was getting his Ph.D. in philosophy, he realized that the Bible, in his opinion, and in the way he was raised, had nothing to say about all these things. And so he turned to humanistic philosophers. And bang. And that's honestly what's happening to the entire American church. Their two kingdom, pietistic worldviews, instead of all of Bible, all of life worldview, are leading them to adopt false philosophies, poisons, really. That's what's cooking up in our, in our world today. So um, let's see. Let's move on to another topic. All right. 